0: Also, um, I don't know why But I can barely hear anything Is it just me? Hello Hi I think it's just my terrible hearing um, Yeah
1: I was about to say something about that <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that you usually?
0: Stop My siblings are already Talking about cutting me to an, Like an old age home Because I'm
1: <laughs> <laughs> Start researching now
0: Welcome to Hidden Among Us, I'm your host Chris
1: And this is Honda
0: And welcome to episode 55, aka our National Day Special Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if like this episode fell on 56 instead? Because Singapore is like 56 years old
1: Yeah, true, and that would be like a good coincidence
0: That would be a good coincidence, but as you know, on Hidden Among Us, not everything is coincidental. So, um, also, I attempted to make another Earl Grey latte.
1: Why is it so white? Is the a filter?
0: <laughs> no, it's not. It's legitimately, like, this pale in real life. <laughs> it's um, like milk. <laughs> I know. Okay, so the other time I made it, right, it tasted so bad. Like, the milk, the frothed milk, tasted gross like I don't know it just didn't taste good and like I couldn't taste the tea so I searched up a bunch of recipes and people were like oh okay so instead of adding sugar to the tea add it to the milk and then froth the milk so I tried that mm-hmm. and um yeah so this is actually a London fog so it's Earl Grey tea with lavender And then the recipe says to add one teaspoon of vanilla extract.
1: Mm -hmm. Stop showing me the window. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see if today there's any (laughs) scary looking.
0: Anyway, so yeah, I let my brother try this and he... Like, he hated it. He (laughs) had a disgusted expression (laughs) <laughs> so we will see how this goes.
1: Yes. How do you think? How do you, do you like it?
0: Um, It smells very strongly of vanilla extract. And I'm nervous about that.
1: Oh, you haven't drank it yet?
0: I have not. But anyway, um, tomorrow is National Day. So we are recording this on 8th August. It will be edited and uploaded on 9th August, which is National Day. And I think for the first time in history, history, I guess, we're not having a National Day celebration on the day of National Day.
1: But there is a ceremony though.
0: There is a ceremony. It's the... What's it? Is it a military parade?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, but And you the fly surely... pass? Oh, yes, the fly pass. I mean, <laughs> they've been torturing us for months with aircraft <laughs> sound, so they might as well do it tomorrow. But the thing is, like... um. I think it's just crazy to to acknowledge the fact that there's no like celebration, celebration in terms of this is usually a concert and people get super hyped. Like I genuinely forgot it's National Day.
1: Yeah, you did.
0: Yeah, like don't you feel like there's no hype? Like I don't feel it.
1: Or I maybe mean, because I mean I'm- everyone is just very over with the situation, right? With COVID everything. No one's like really in a mood for celebrating.
0: Yeah, I mean. But man, I... I have... No feels at all.
1: I mean, I'm not going to even watch tomorrow's thing.
0: Usually, every year, I live-tweet the ceremony. Last year was by far the worst ceremony I've seen. But it's also because they had to you know, do last-minute changes so that they could have, like, an online concert. So give them a pass. Yeah, but I swear that our National Day concerts used to be much longer. Now it's, I think, within one and a half hours. I swear it used to be much longer.
1: I barely remember any.
0: Oh, well. But you know what? It's okay. I guess this is a time... That us Singaporeans have to come together and remember how we fought through particularly this COVID situation, how we will come back out stronger than we were before the situation.
1: I mean, the day after National Day, resuming dining in.
0: Mm, Which is a good thing. And the both of us are fully vaccinated. So that's great. He, He parade to us. I'm kind of excited because if we talk about Singapore crime, we don't have like huge, huge ones. Like you go on Wikipedia, the list is all you have of like crazy crimes (laughs) that have happened in Singapore.
1: Mm. I don't know. Halfway through the story, I I got paranoid thinking that we've already covered it.
0: Oh, no, I don't think... We've prob- we've only covered one Singapore story today, and that is a Topayo occult.
1: It's not just one for crime. We did uh, the McDonald kidnapping, McDonald boys. It? Shen covered it.
0: The McDonald boys.
1: It was a kidnapping of like kids or something.
0: Dang, I don't remember this.
1: I feel like it's more than two though. <laughs>
0: McDonald's boys. It was it yes. not the rock boys?
1: No, that's Korea. We yeah. did McDonald, McDonald's, McDonald's Dang. something.
0: Okay, I need to go look through our episode list. That's
1: one of the more earlier ones because Shen covered it.
0: Mm, okay, maybe that's why. Also, as you've established, I'm aging. My memory sucks.
1: Mac- yeah, McDonald's boys. Last year, September.
0: Dang, it's not that long ago. <laughs>
1: Okay. I already okay, find this idea. year April long time ago. So
0: okay, you're right. You're right. Okay, I'm gonna take a sip before we start the story. I'm gonna take a sip of this drink, and let's hope for the best. Okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, I don't like it. It's like water. Okay. All right, Honda, water. carry on. <laughs> I have to finish it Last week I slogged through a drink Remember Same thing this week It's gonna be uh, One day I will get The recipe right Okay One day One day
1: Okay so today's Singapore crime Is about A contract killing
0: We had a contract killing
1: Yeah (laughs) I mean, it's not that professional because the age <laughs> right. of the murderer is like obviously not a professional. But this okay. happened in two thousand one. Okay. Yeah.
0: Then we had a contract <laughs> killing.
1: I mean, it sounds the the word contract killing sounds professional. You know, like a professional hitman thing. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's not. It's not like that. Don't think about that.
0: Okay, because when you say. Contract killing. I think about um the Dalia Dipolito case in the U. S. Where she ah uh,
1: yeah about that you, one. That one was mm, <laughs> kind of amateur she, too.
0: You're right, and then there is also uh what's her name Jennifer Pan. Jennifer Pan. She also hired like sort of hitmen to kill her parents. So when you say contract killing, I oh, think okay, it's okay, like okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, yes. Tell me.
1: <laughs> so, Anthony Le Wee Tang, born in 1967, was the youngest of four in his family. So, he said that he had an unhappy child. <laughs> Why are you looking like that?
0: So, the new Anthony Le rings some bells, but I'm... I don't know where.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> okay. halfway I got paranoid thinking I already, we already covered it. Like, someone covered it already.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, so he... He said that he had an unhappy childhood because, you know, his parents divorced when he was young and Mm. he was also not so close with his siblings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he completed his primary and secondary education at River Valley English School and Thompson Secondary School, respectively, before moving on to polytechnic.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: Yeah, but then he dropped out in his first year because his father didn't want to pay for his education.
0: Dang, okay, but poly education is expensive.
1: It is expensive.
0: It is expensive, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he then went on to national service.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And after completing, he pursued a five-year-long army career. And then after which, he established several businesses, but then these businesses failed and ended in bankruptcy.
2: Oh, yikes, Okay.
1: Yeah, so he met his wife, Annie Leong Waiman, in the church when he was 19. Well, Annie.
0: Say do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> do. Yeah, but then Annie was 15.
0: Oh, wait, how old was he? He should be 20s, Ni- right? Not 20s. He was nineteen. Anthony. Anthony, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay.
1: Yeah, so they had a relationship for five years before they later got married in in 1985. Well, I wrote that 1885.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they went back in time and then got married. <laughs> this, this story is actually not about a contract killing. It's about how <laughs> Singapore discovered time travel.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they then had a daughter which... Um, which is their only child, named Evelyn Le, born on 13 April
2: 1997.
1: hmm Yeah. So during the marriage of Annie, Anthony Le began to be unfaithful to his wife.
0: As they also do.
1: <laughs> so even while, even if he was married to Annie, he had an affair with a woman, woman named, Belinda, named Belinda Ho Wey Lin.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Yeah, who later found out about his... About him being married With a child mm. Yeah but then later on Anthony even allowed, allowed Belinda to live in his flat With him and his wife and daughter
0: And his wife didn't say anything about it?
1: I guess not But then she ultimately finds out That it was an affair I guess Wait, he Wait so
0: she didn't realise it was an affair when he I guess he like, came out
1: with the reason You know
0: Jeez, my God Like, I feel like If my husband came home And he's like Hey, um, this lady will be staying with us For like, the foreseeable future I'd be like Dang, he's having an affair And he brought his side chick to my house So, okay, well You know what? I'm not going to judge her Okay, we don't know what the circumstance was But dang
1: Yeah, so This affair will become the main reason why Annie wants to separate from him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then Le had, and then he had another affair with another woman named Marilyn Tan Su Fen.
2: hmm
1: Yeah, they had a sexual relationship and also um, they did business together. But then the okay. business, the, but the business they did together ended in financial trouble, mm-hmm. which also ultimately ended their affair. Okay. hmm Yeah, apart from the affairs, um, Annie, you know, had to cope with her husband's financial difficulties. So she had to use, like, savings to settle his debts.
0: Oh, God. Okay.
1: Mm. Yeah, so she had even quit her job at the bank to help her husband to set up, like, a business. But, you know, she later returned to work after their daughter was born. Hmm, Okay. Mm. In October 1999, uh, Annie, together with, with her daughter Evelyn, uh, left her husband to live uh, at her mother's home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. In August 2000, uh, Anthony nearly faced bankruptcy because of a failing publishing business.
0: <laughs> publishing business? Okay.
1: Yeah. As a result, he attempted suicide by overdosing on sleeping pills and was even hospitalized. The lies. Mm. Yeah Because of this incident Annie returned To help him And So Anthony thought That you know It was a sign That the marriage Could be saved Because he mm. thought That Annie still cared For him
0: Dang Okay
1: <laughs> Yeah but However like, Annie began to file for, for, file for divorce In February 2001 And was yes. pending Custody of their daughter Okay Yeah, and it was also informally agreed upon that Anthony would only visit Evelyn on weekends.
0: Okay,
2: all right.
1: Yeah, Anthony knew that, you know, given his like situation, he would be at a a disadvantage in gaining custody of his daughter. And, you know, all his um, debt from his failed businesses and because of the shared flat um, was still, you know, on pending sale, hasn't Mm -hmm. been sold yet. So he doesn't have that much money
2: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah so Anthony began to contemplate murdering his wife to gain custody of the daughter and full ownership of the flat they used to live in so that his debts would ultimately be paid off from the money that we gained from selling of the flat.:
0: there's something kind of funny about this thought process like he went from, <laughs> oh shit, I've no money to you know what? murder for custody like dang okay
1: and i guess he doesn't want to split the money from the flat
0: true okay well you do you bro (laughs)
1: yeah so his plan started uh, in february 2001 and this is where he befriended a group of five teenage boys,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who you know gathered outside uh, a McDonald's restaurant in Pasarais.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he acted as a mentor figure to them, and even when uh, like meeting with them a few times,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So and then he then asked the boys if they dared to kill someone. Okay. And then one of the boys then asked how much Anthony was willing to pay.
0: I don't know if I should feel impressed that he was like <laughs> savvy enough to be, to ask for how like payment or if I should be disturbed because he asked how much he could be paid.
1: I think you should be disturbed.
0: <laughs> yeah, because like, I feel like if somebody is that your first
1: response thing.
0: Yeah, precisely. If somebody asked me like, "Hey, how do you feel about killing someone?" i will be like, "What?" (laughs)
1: Like,
0: "Mm, I'd feel bad. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Yeah, I'll be like, "Bye, dude. I'm I'm just gonna grab my nuggets and I'm just gonna head out right now." Thank you.
1: Yeah. So Anthony asked them to name the price.
0: Okay, I want to know how much they, like, ask.
1: (laughs) So, uh, one of the boys, a 15-year-old school student, whom, like, Anthony know, like, this kid for five years already. So, the kid replied, one million.
0: You know what? I like this guy. This this boy is thinking fire. Like, I'm not sure if he said one million, knowing that, like, he's not going to do it. I don't know anything about the story, but, like, I feel like I would say one million just to be like, haha, F you, I'm not going to do this.
1: Mm. Yeah. And then another boy, a 16 year old um, school dropout named Gavin said $100,000.
0: Gavin, <laughs> you do much better than no, that. No, you'll be
1: this. You- yeah. You still haven't heard the last price. Okay. Yeah. So a third boy named Xiao Tzuhao said hundred dollars <laughs> 100 dollars kill someone and then you might be caught.
0: So how like how la bro? I'm flawed. A hundred bucks, that's it. Might as well see five dollars and call it a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, then the other um kids over there gave like other prices, which is like not known.
0: <laughs> Probably more than a hundred bucks. So that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, so La actually agreed to Gavin's price. And that was when the like Anthony, like, expressed that his target would be his wife. And mm-hmm. he said that he hated her for not allowing him to visit his daughter frequently. And that the situation, and he hated the situation that she placed him in. Mm. Yeah, so he said that he would pay that amount to any boy who dared to do it, as well as treat <sighs> them to some pretty girls.
0: I don't know Like Why is this guy Going towards Small kids I Right Like Hmm
2: Okay
1: Yeah but then the boys Thought you know It was a joke I mean Who would think It's serious right
0: Yeah I mean I mean the kid Who said one million Obviously thought It was a joke (laughs)
1: So Gavin and a 15-year-old boy met with uh, Anthony again in the first week mm-hmm. of May 2001. And then Anthony again mentioned about how he wanted his wife dead and asked if Gavin would do it. And also like um told him to kill his wife by covering her mouth with one hand and slit her throat with an, with a knife from behind. <laughs> Yeah, so it was then like Gavin realized it, realized that Anthony was serious about killing his wife Annie. Holy and
2: shit.
1: Yeah. And Gavin was even later brought to Anthony's flat to practice killing by using a newspaper and knife.
0: Okay, first of all, the texture of newspaper and like human flesh is completely different. But dude, <laughs> what the hell, man? Wow.
1: Yeah, and and then he even showed photos of Leon and, and Evelyn. Yeah. So yeah, Gavin uh, later talked to a a friend, a fourteen-year-old female friend, um, mm-hmm. about you know what he was faced with, like the situation, and she told him not to do it, and no. he decided to back out. I don't okay. know why he didn't have to just. Dis- He had to ask someone. Yeah,
0: why did you (laughs) have to think about it? Like, is the answer not obvious?
1: Um. (laughs) So then Gavin tried to warn his 15-year-old friend to not to do it as well. Oh, God. Yeah, and then it is this 15-year-old boy who was described as simple-minded and being too trusting by Gavin. That agreed with Anthony's... Um, Anthony, yeah, Anthony's request to kill his wife.
2: No. Oh.
1: And yeah, it's was actually kind of said.
0: It is.
1: He's well, still on 15.
0: Hand, okay, I'm kind of torn between... On one hand, right, he's 15. So at this point, he should have the maturity yeah, to of at course. least distinguish... You know, what moral things are. But at the same time, 15 is also an age where he's not fully mature yet. So he's also incredibly um, gullible.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they will always talk about... People always argue, you know, how the frontal lobe doesn't fully mature until you're like, what? 20 something I don't know when it is <laughs> so I guess it's an argument to make but at 15 I'm pretty sure you would have a pretty stable understanding of what's right and wrong mm-hmm. yeah so maybe this kid really was simple-minded
1: I guess didn't she, like the kid didn't really think about his future I guess you don't really have a grasp of the future, your future prospects at that age yet. I don't know.
0: At 15. At 15 is when they've done bending. So, set two at 14, (laughs) they're already making life decisions of picking what they want to do for set three onwards. I would argue. Yeah,
1: so the first attempt the murder was made on 10th May, 2001. Mm-hmm. So the boy was brought to Augang Avenue 9 by Anthony, who told him to go to Block 923, which is the flat where Annie lived.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He was told um, to wear a helmet to prevent people from remembering his face, and was given a long steak knife. Okay. Yeah, so the boy saw a woman... Alighting a taxi, so to which she asked Anthony over the phone whether that was where, what he looked like, and then he then realised that what uh, Anthony had described matched the woman that he saw.
0: Oh my god! And, it's not the woman, is it? Huh is it not the same woman? Yes, yeah, the same it, woman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was it's going to go along the lines of like He goes to attack this lady coming to attack Mistaken this lady. identity not, Yeah it's not even identity <laughs> Loves his wife Oh my god
1: Okay Yeah so He And then he began following her But then He lost track of her halfway When he reached the fourth floor
0: Listen this is why you don't hire 15 year olds to be your hitmen. <laughs>
1: It's scary though, because this is the floor that she actually lived on. Yeah. So later on, the boy then sees her leaving her house with her daughter and they made their way to a playground. But the boy couldn't bring himself to kill Annie in the presence of the daughter, even when Anthony was insisting on him on doing so.
0: Listen, this is a clear wow maybe I should become a lawyer, but this is a clear example of, he knows, he has some sense of morality.
1: <laughs> You're going to be on the prosecution side. <laughs> You're I'm going to be the side.
0: Yeah. You know what? I am a prosecutor right now. I would use this as case evidence. I would, I would argue, okay, if you want to say that he's simple-minded, at that point in time, he would have gone ahead and killed the wife mercilessly. Okay, but he knew that it was wrong to do it, particularly because it was in front of a child. So he understood what he was doing was wrong. So, more, so so saying that he was too young to understand it or anything, it goes out the window because right now he's like, Exhibit A, he understands right from wrong.
1: I mean, but if not for Anthony, he wouldn't have done it.
0: But here's the thing, he he didn't do it despite... Anthony, who kept telling him to do it, you know? So, if you want to argue that Anthony manipulated him, at this point in time, he would have gone ahead and he would have murdered her. But he didn't.
1: Another attempt was made on 11th May, the next day. However, um, he had second thoughts and considered backing out of the plan. So, he placed the helmet... Shh, Chris, sh-
0: Morality, okay.
1: <laughs> so... He placed the helmet that was given to him on a parked motorcycle in a nearby car park and tried to leave. And um, yeah, so he then received a call from Anthony and um, yeah, so which compelled him into obeying his orders to carry out the killing again. Yeah, but then once he reached the lift lobby of the 4-4, he had uh, missed Annie. And then later on in the day, um, he saw her again together with Anthony and their daughter playing at the playground. Okay. Yeah, so it was then the boy realized that, you know, he didn't want to murder Annie.
0: Morality. This boy knows right from wrong. Wrong.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so after the second failed attempt, an angry love, like, refused to let the boy back out of the plan and had even threatened to take the boy's life if he did not kill Annie.
0: God, what an ass.
1: Anthony even went as far as to make a threat on the lives of the boy's parents and his two other siblings.
0: Oh, dang, okay.
1: Yeah, and yeah, so on thirteen May, when he um, visited Anthony La's home, the boy was given a samurai sword as a gift from the. Oh my god! And Anthony uh, told him like if he wanted that he wanted the boy to use the sword to kill Annie.
0: isn't like your pet peeve like katanas and samurai swords in general? Because <laughs> it's so cliche.
1: I mean, like usually be- <laughs> you really have to train really long to be even yeah. to be able to. You properly use it Or you risk harming yourself instead
0: War flashbacks To um, Endgame And
1: Jeremy Renner Speaking in Japanese I have zero clue As to what he said I think he's By far the worst Like <laughs> Attempt At speaking Japanese On In a movie Or On, on any show <laughs> Okay I couldn't even make out the words. <laughs> At least, like, Anthony Mackie on Altered Carbon, I can understand what he's saying. But <laughs> Jeremy Renner wasn't even trying, okay?
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is now a Jeremy Renner roast.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't really like Hawkeye anyways, so... <laughs>
0: This this is the anti-Jeremy Renner podcast. In case y'all don't know, we're changing <laughs> our name from Hidden Among Us to We Honda hates
1: Jeremy Renner. You know Hawkeye is gonna get a TV series on Disney Plus. Would you watch it? <laughs> <laughs> See?
0: <laughs> but I also didn't watch Loki and I really like Loki. I didn't watch Loki. Yeah, I mean,
1: at least Loki is on my watch list. Hawkeye, is it? Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do we segue from that?
1: <laughs> you triggered me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. All right, all right. We'll get back to the story. We'll get back to the story.
1: Okay, so the boy refused to do it and he tried to return the weapon to Anthony. But then, in response, Anthony said that he would use the SWAT to kill him if he was not gonna do it.
0: Oh, what the shit!
1: yeah, so he reluctantly went home with the sWAT and he stayed out the whole day afterwards um, going on a fishing fishing session and spent the night with in his girlfriend's like house so he and he also tried to avoid. Uh, Anthony's phone calls For a while Mm. And then one day when he did You know, pick up the call Anthony told him to go to Aokang So the boy then went to Anthony's flat with the steak knife Which, you know Which is the same steak knife that uh, Anthony previously gave him Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And his school textbook To create an excuse that he went out studying
0: Yeah, I mean, I went from roasting this kid to, like, I feel very sympathetic for him. Mm. Yeah, because, like, clearly at this point, you know, now it's like, he feels very trapped. I mean, you can argue that he should have gone to the police, but he's a 15-year-old kid.
1: I mean, he probably really thought his parents would die.
0: Yeah, and also I feel like in Singapore, it's like... Sort of frowned upon to like Go and call the police And involve them in your family matters Kind of thing I don't know I feel like Yeah it's usually quite Discouraged to call the
1: police Is it really A lot of people Make 911
0: calls As in like for things like this You know if there was like a flat-out murder, people would be calling the police. But things like this, I feel like, especially because he's a kid, maybe he felt that no one would have taken him seriously.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm moving from prosecutor to defending this kid. I'm oh. now his defense.
1: <laughs> yeah, so once he reached the place, um Anthony and him prepared and practiced the killing with Anthony, um, telling him like that he should stab any with a knife.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So after they left the house, they set out to carry the plan. So on 14th May, 2001, uh, Anthony went to visit his wife late at night and asked to meet out in a playground, the daughter mm-hmm. and Anthony, um, Ask long uh, asked Annie to sign some papers regarding the unsettled mortgage of their flat yeah mm-hmm. mm. so to sign the papers, you know uh Anthony asked if she had a pen wait, sorry, scratch that, yeah, so mm. yeah, so you know, Annie agreed with whatever they discussed, and asked if Anthony had a pen so she could sign it, but Anthony said no. So she went back to her mother's flat to retrieve a pen while Anthony stayed behind to accompany the daughter at the playground.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the 15 year old boy was waiting at the ground floor and watching the family from afar. So, oh, and upon seeing uh, Annie about to enter the lift, the boy then made his move and quickly ran up the stairs and reached the fourth floor on time to see. Annie stepping out of the lift, so as she walked out um, from behind, uh, the boy immediately uh, went up to her. So, it covered uh, Annie's mouth with the red cloth on one hand while wielding the knife on the other hand to stab Annie on the neck and chest. Yeah. So after stabbing Annie, the boy fled and leaving the fatally wounded. Uh, Annie to stagger back to her mother's flat, and she collapsed outside of the house where the mom and brother found her.
0: Oh my god! I can't even imagine the sight. Like when her par- when her mom and brother found her.
1: I mean, yeah, they, they could hear the screaming, the struggling,
0: it's and you horrific.
1: could and you could probably recognize right.
0: Mm.
1: Like the sound.
0: Yeah. But even if they don't recognize, like I feel like the way a person screams as they're being stabbed is just, I would mm. imagine it's like a blood curling scream. So you would, you know, mm-hmm. look out anyway. It's just dang, it's just horrific.
1: Yeah. So during this time, uh Anthony could hear his wife scream from downstairs. So he quickly, together with his daughter, uh, went up to his mother-in-law's flat. And obviously with this, he knew that the boy had done his job. And in front of neighbours and family members, Anthony, you know, put up an act where he was, you know, he was shocked and repeatedly told his wife, you know, to not sleep and like calling her name. Oh God. So, I know, right? So while the family was busy rushing Annie to the hospital, the 15-year-old boy fled to a bus stop where he managed to flag a taxi and he rode it to the beach where he disposed the mother weapon into the sea, which is what Anthony had, you know, told him to do.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. So an ambulance arrived and brought Annie to Tantong Tsai Hospital. But then a few hours later, on the midnight of 15 May 2001, uh, 30-year-old Annie died from her injuries. Mm. And yeah, as she was pronounced dead, Anthony had pretended to be grieving for his murdered wife.
0: So I can just imagine, like, the loud wailing I, I mean I don't know How he grieves, But this is what I imagine it to be like Okay So I imagine He did a lot of Loud wailing Like loud sobbing um, He probably would have Blamed himself <laughs> Um, Usually these people Will start hyperventilating Like very forceful Hyperventilation Hyperventilations Between um Crying And that's what I imagine it would Look like And it's ridiculous
2: Mm-hmm
1: <laughs> yeah, so police investigations You know, were soon conducted And they scoured the crime scene uh, But they found no clues Except for one So, yeah So the only clue they found Was a torn front page of a newspaper Which the boy had used To wrap up the knife
2: mm, Okay
1: Yeah, so the police had immediately suspected Anthony as the prime suspect,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: which is quite normal to suspect the partner. (laughs) Yeah, so during the investigation, uh, Anthony was uncooperative, hostile and aggressive and denied any involvement in the murder of his wife.
2: Okay. Yeah, so
1: this made, you know, the police suspect even more Because um, <laughs> they expected The husband The grieving husband To have been Like cooperative And sure the killer To be brought to justice mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah but you know They still had Insufficient evidence Because mm-hmm. they only had The newspaper Yeah so Yeah Anthony Continued to You know Act like he was mourning In front of family members And friends During the funeral Pretending to be sorrowful and teary And the whole act <laughs> Yeah, and he also once told reporters That, you know, he himself was a bad husband And con- he even said that he was uh, He had been unfaithful and full of debt
0: Then he's trying to wake up, like, sympathy points, yeah. right
1: And he even described himself as a devil While calling his wife an angel I mean he truly I can was. Be the devil. Your
0: devil, or I could be your angle. <laughs> angle. <laughs> angle.
1: Yeah, so after his police interview, um Anthony agreed to allow police to search his flat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that is where they found um a newspaper in his home that had its front page torn out. So when asked about this, Anthony lied that he did not know about the missing taunt page. But this is the same newspaper. Like, it's the it matches the newspaper mm-hmm. with, like, the front page that they found. So it's the same date and everything. And the police also collected evidence from Anthony's home for investigation.
0: Dang, this guy is so dumb.
1: hmm I mean, he had time, right, to clear his house.
0: Yeah! What the shit? I mean, he had so much time to even, like, hire a kid, literally a child, to commit this murder for him. Like, if he could be that meticulous to the point of, like, teaching this kid how to stab his wife, couldn't he have disposed of a newspaper? <laughs> like, throw it to the ocean also, I guess.
1: I mean, it's so easy to throw a newspaper.
0: Yeah, Oh my god Dude like sometimes, Give it to the
1: Karanguni
0: or something Yeah give it to the Karanguni man Or like I don't know um, Use it For your vegetables In your fruit bowl Or whatever I don't know What you do with newspaper Bake something And use Newspaper To line the table Or something Like Recycle it also I thought recycling was, like, my last
1: option. <laughs> I know, right? I was, like, baking vegetables.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, ignore me.
1: Yeah, so on 18 May, uh, four days after the murder, the police brought in two of the uh, acquaintances for questioning. And one of them was Gavin. And the other one was the 15-year-old boy himself. Yeah, so the 15-year-old boy had actually told Kevin earlier that he had killed Annie. Dang. Yeah. Anthony's wife, I do already.
0: <laughs> and i so funny. It was really the most Singaporean thing ever.
1: <laughs> I should make it sound more Singaporean. Anthony's wife, I do already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. The way we can never make it sound
1: Singaporean At least I can make it Sound better than you would
0: Okay okay Maybe I should try So it's it's just I do already is it
1: Anthony's wife I do already
0: Anthony's wife I do already
1: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like Your
0: usual voice Anthony's wife I do already
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Cannot Oh my, god. oh my god Imagine if you have to act like a Singaporean Like a a role that has a very thick English accent
0: I cannot That's only when I did my playwriting module Some of my friends wrote their plays With like a lot of Singaporean mannerisms in mind So a lot of Singlish And those ones they asked me to Just read out the lines to one character And it was so bad After that they never gave me <laughs> He never asked me to do any Singaporean roles with like singlish because
1: it's just okay, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with this confession, it really shocked and angered Gavin. And he even told like the other boys mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, so when the police um questioned the 15-year-old boy. They, the boy had actually confessed to killing out of okay. guilt. Yeah, so, and confessed that he did it um, because Anthony had ordered him to, which then led to the arrest of Anthony Le, who was charged with a batman of murder. Yeah. So, which was also, like, a hanging offence under the law of uh, Singapore.
0: Dang, okay.
1: Yeah, and thus warranted a death sentence. Yeah, so the 15-year-old was also placed under arrest and charged with murder. But his identity was like help, with help throughout those whole ordeal from the mm-hmm. media because he was still um below 16.
0: Yeah, he's minor.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, one did publish a photograph of the boy which, kept the, which captured his face. Yeah, but it was edited to cover his face to prevent his identity from being exposed.
0: Oh, is it like the black rectangle over the eyes kind of thing?
1: I'm not sure what aesthetic they used in the past, but
0: I would assume it's that one. Because like if you want to blur the face, you most likely would have to blur like a large portion. Whereas the eyes thing, it's just usually the eyes.
1: Hmm. Yeah, so the 15-year-old boy's parents uh expressed shocked shock towards you know the arrest and the whole incident. As they uh, said that their son was a good and caring boy, so you know they were really beside themselves as to why he would do something so violent. Mm-hmm. So on 19 November 2001, both Anthony Le and the 15-year-old boy stood trial together in the High Court of Singapore for the murder of Annie Leong, and the case was uh, heard before Judicial Commissioner Tay Yong Kwang. And the prosecution consisted of deputy public prosecutors Lo Chong Yo and Ed Win Sun, while the defendant Anthony Law was represented by Supas Anandan. <laughs> <laughs> Singapore's pro- yeah, probably the most famous defend, defense lawyer. He
0: most. Like, this man would...
1: Especially criminal defense.
0: Yes. He would defend the vilest of the vile. Yeah, and he would purposely so take good.
1: up kept, like, those on death row. Like, those who would face the death sentence.
0: Yeah, and he was so good at what he did. Holy shit. A legend. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, the youth was... But the boy was represented by different lawyers. Edwin uh, yeah. And Peter Ong
0: And me I'm representing him now I'm I thought you are this... on the
1: prosecution side.
0: No I told you I changed <laughs> For this boy Cause poor, poor kid Listen This is a time travel story right
1: <laughs> Yeah sure
0: I'm going back in time To represent him
1: In 2002 In, in 2002.
0: 2001 <laughs> <laughs> I mean I know what the bar is <laughs>
1: Infamously
0: said by Singaporeans, if you reckon, if you know what I'm referring to, <laughs>
1: yeah. So this boy um, is renamed Z in the court documents and in the media. As for Anthony, you know, he faces the the death penalty.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like most probably, he knew he was facing the death penalty, but he always had a smile on his face throughout the whole court proceedings.
0: Okay. And in front of the media. Interesting choice.
1: <laughs> so in um the defense lawyer's memoir, The Best I Could, um, Suhas has stated that he had not been keen to take the case in the first place.
0: Dang, okay.
1: Yeah, so because he followed the news and the developments of the case, and he knew that Anthony would be found guilty eventually. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> open and shut case.
0: Yeah, open and shut
1: hmm But then uh, Anthony's mother and sister came to him and wanted him to defend Anthony. Yeah, the mother was in tears and desperate for someone to help her son. So he could not okay. bring her yeah, so he could not bring himself to reject it and thus accepted to work on the case. And he also expressed that, you know, he wondered about the smell which Anthony made during the court proceedings. Mm-hmm. And he speculated that it could be a sneer or a form of a a form of security blanket
0: I'm leaning more towards security blanket, true, yeah, like you know he's trying to keep his his pride intact, trying to mm-hmm. keep his head literally above the water and held high mm-hmm. even when like the
1: odds are stacked against him. Like this whole event isn't like affecting him at all,
0: yeah, it's like it's it's too it's as if he's to he's trying to show that like oh look at me, I'm like strong enough to go through this like i can I can get through it
1: mm-hmm. yeah, so the prosecution um their case was largely based on statements made by C. Mm-hmm. And they also called for witnesses like Gavin and uh, other uh, teenage boys that Anthony had approached. And, you know, all the kids that verified um, verified that Anthony frequently brought up the subject of wanting his wife dead.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And additionally, um, the ex-lovers, um, Belinda Ho and Marilyn Tan, they also took the stand. And they told the court that Anthony told them on some occasions that he thirsted for the death of his wife.
0: Yeah, something with the phrase thirsted for the death <laughs> of his wife just doesn't sit right.
1: Yeah, so yeah, the prosecution also obtained ev- evidence from his computer where police found and recovered deleted emails, which he used to communicate with C after the death of Annie Leong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so the conversation was about the payment details because he had already carried out uh, the crime yeah so and together with this and the newspaper the torn newspaper that they found uh, yeah they said that Anthony was guilty of his cri- of the crime
2: mm.
1: yeah so among the contents of the t v the emails one statement one of the emails read that payment might have to wait
0: wow kid didn't even get
1: paid I mean I mean I don't think he even was going to pay in the end but he did say he would pay the money would come from the selling of his flat
0: yeah so he didn't even have money
1: yeah that's the thing he doesn't have money on his hand and you don't know how fast the, the flat would sell. So. <laughs> Oof, okay. Yeah. And you know, um referring to um the memo the memoir that the defense lawyer wrote,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he said that when he met Anthony in prison where he was remanded, um he showed Anthony the retrieved files from his computer, and Anthony's smile faded which was the only time that he saw his smile disappearing. And he speculated that Anthony might have realised that he could not get away with it after seeing the recovered contents of his email.
0: ding, ding. Yeah. Do you think he thought he could get a lighter sentence because he had the subas anandam? Anandam. Anandam.
1: Anand Anandan Anandan.
0: The subas anand. Do you think?
2: I don't know.
0: I feel <laughs> like he might have thought that he would have been able to get like a lighter sentence because he had the, the um lawyer.
1: And I I don't know, it's very hard to escape especially for murder and Mm. like this, kind of had to escape the death penalty. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the defense side on 26th November 2001, Anthony stated that he was innocent and that he he was not the mastermind behind the murder of his wife and he had not told Z to kill his wife.
0: Wow.
1: And he said, you know... You know how, like, the prosecution mentioned that Anthony always said he wanted to kill his wife? Mm -hmm. And then he said these were, you know, all a joke and just stuff.
0: This is kind of why, like, these kind of, like, passing jokes, like, people do make jokes like this, you know? Like, oh my god, I just want (laughs) to kill my wife. Like, oh my god, I just want to kill my mom. Like, these things are not actually funny. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> so he was then questioned why he did not bring a pen beforehand when he wanted. When he said he wanted um, Annie to sign something. Hmm. So you would bring a pen, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but he claimed that he had no habit to bring a pen. Yeah. And... How are
0: we supposed to sign the thing again?
1: They met at like the ground floor At the playground
0: Oh, okay So yeah, that makes sense (laughs) You would have brought a pen Or at least Mm -hmm. you would have told Annie To bring a pen up Okay
1: And he was also questioned as to why he stayed behind With his daughter instead of accompanying His wife up to the fourth floor Mm. But then he said that He wanted to spend more time with his daughter Evelyn, whom he loved very much But he showed no remorse throughout the whole trial for his crime and only smiled.
0: Mm.
1: So for Z's defence, he took the stand after Anthony Lowe on 28 November 2001. And on the stand, he essentially said the same thing as what he told the police. Mm -hmm. Said that he was forced and manipulated by Anthony to do the killing. And that he that he did, you know, because he was manipulated. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so when yeah, when it was last lawyer, Supas Anandan turned to cross-examine Z, he strongly pointed out why did Z not tell the police in his first statement that he was forced to kill,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: Annie Leong by Anthony. And also, why Z did not tell Anthony in the first place that he did not want to do it? If yeah, if you know, like what Gavin did. Gavin Mm -hmm. said no. So why wasn't why didn't he tell Anthony no? And so Z replied that he did not know what to do at the time and was confused when he was asked by Anthony to murder Annie.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but so far as went on to put it to see that he was lying about Anthony in, uh, instigating him to commit a murder, calling him no angel and a monster well-deserving of a long stay behind bars.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so he also uh, tried to paint uh, the teenager as a cold-hearted murderer who was vicious enough to implicate an innocent person, in this case Anthony, of murder. Yeah. So Z was asked that if he was hurt that Anthony had compared him with Gavin and essentially implied that Z was inferior in terms of maturity and guts. Yeah. So Z that considered that he did and agreed that he would do anything to prove people wrong. But he would he would but he said he would not do so by murdering any. Mm. So I guess there was an element of looking up to. Anthony as a, yeah. a girl. yeah as some sort of like father figure or like a you know a reliable adult figure.
0: Yeah, there's definitely that element, and on top of that, I think at fifteen when you give a boy a challenge like that, it's really to sh- to prove they're you know they're not a child or a boy anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. like a man kind of thing. So Anthony definitely knew. How to break through to these kids and to manipulate them,
1: and we also don't really know what Anthony, I guess, said to see yeah. like in detail, yeah, yeah. And at the end of the trial on fifth December two thousand one, seven months after the death of Annie Leong, um, and after receiving closing submissions from prosecution and defence. J.C. Tay um, J.C. Tae Yong Kwang delivered his judgment. Mm-hmm. So the judge rejected Anthony Le's claims of innocence and determined that he solicited the murder based on the evidence that was uh, seen in court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he stated that Anthony what Anthony did was not a joke, but. This quote is so dramatic. Okay, so that Anthony did was not a joke, but a serious death match on a chessboard of reality, where the young man were to be his pawns, and uh, he, as king, would direct the, and did, would direct the demise of his queen.
0: Where did they come up with quotes like this? <laughs> I feel like every judge has like something damn dramatic to say at the end of like sentencing.
1: I know, right? So
0: where up with
1: This is too much.
0: Soon it's yeah, it's I re- <laughs> yeah, can you you know? imagine
1: the judge rehearsing this before, like Oh my because-
0: god, yeah, no, he's like in the bathroom washing his hands, he stops, he looks at himself, like he looks at his reflection in <laughs> the mirror, he's like reciting it, and he's like, Yeah, I can do this, yeah. Then <laughs> he goes out and delivers it. Oh my god.
1: And that uh Anthony was not playing a game of bluff when poaching about the matter of wanting his wife did especially uh, seeing from what he, uh, what he said to the teenage, other teenage boys. So JCT also concluded that Anthony had every motive to kill his wife from what the prosecution had presented, as he stood to gain quite a lot from his wife's death by becoming the sole surviving parent of Evelyn and also the sole owner of the flat. He also stated that while Anthony may have loved his daughter, the love was clearly eclipsed by his financial and matrimonial problems. I feel like at
0: the end of the day, he... It wasn't even about family,
1: it was just about himself. Nah, side. it is. It's really, really... I mean, he even tried to convince the boy to kill Annie in front of her daughter. Yeah. So if you really love your daughter that much, why would you scar her that way?
0: I think it's if the daughter is scarred with the death of the mother, like she becomes emotionally vulnerable so he can step in at that point. Uh, yeah. Is I, he I able like, to think that far? I feel like that was what his plan was. Like oh, he like comes in and he's just like, she
1: armor.
0: yeah, like now you only have your dad, like, and I'm here for you, that kind of thing.
1: But like in the end, he really just is thinking of his image. Yeah, himself. he's just
0: reading really himself. Not, I mean, why yeah. smile through the entire court proceedings, right? <laughs> it's just to show himself in a certain way. So
1: yeah. And JCT found Anthony's reactions to be nothing more than rehearsed acts performed by an accomplished actor. So as for the 15-year-old Z, J.C. Tay believed that he was not a cold-blooded killer.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And he described the boy like this. Again, dramatic um, quotes. Let's go. I see no mean miniature monster in Z. I detect no vengeful or vicious spirit in this 15-year-old boy before me. I see instead a morose and modified teenager who's still trying to come to terms with the catel- cat- <laughs> events cataclysmic events of-, <laughs> yeah, of the last seven months. He's not capable of concocting such an elaborate and consist- inconsistent yarn. He does not have the presence of mind nor the mental agility to utilize and corrupt information to his own advantage or to the detriment of others. I feel like it's slightly insulting halfway, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like this judge should write a poetry book with <laughs> the way he likes to be dramatic about things. Well, okay.
1: <laughs> it's just like, you know, like an old literature book with like yeah. dramatic writing.
0: <laughs> it's the kind of thing where it's like he's in a dark room and then he just holds a book and he looks at the camera and he's like... little soliloquy. Yeah. A am lucky. Precisely. <laughs> That's what he's doing.
1: It's been a while since I used the word the lucky.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he's not really a villain trying <laughs> to... It's a monologue, essentially. Mm-hmm. He just monologues his life.
1: So the judge accepted that Z was telling the truth about his experiences with love, as well as the testimonies of um, Z's friends,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and find them as truthful witnesses. And he said that the only fault of Z was that he was naive and simple-minded, saying that he was made use uh, of by, by Anthony, an adult who was experienced in the ways of the world, an adult who tempted Z with the offer of easy money, dreams of glamour, and pretty girls. <laughs> and in the end, uh, Anthony gave the boy an ultimatum, killer be killed. And in his words, again, Z appears to be, Rather simple-minded and my name and a boy ensnared helpless way out of season in adult intrigue and machinations. Wow. Dang,
0: this, is same drama.
1: this was a 57-page long written verdict. <laughs> Christ. Okay. So, JC Tay then summarized the case in six words.
0: Okay, great. Thank you for the oh. summary. <laughs>
1: Murder Anthony wrote Murder C Wrote
0: Shut Up (laughs) Shut
1: Up This judge Wow Oh my god He should narrate The whole I think his
0: His passion was English literature He just somehow Ended up in law No
1: No 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 It's like how I think maybe his parents Forced him to become Involved with the law (laughs)
0: Like his dream was to become like a writer And his parents were like Writing will get you nowhere You're going be <laughs> to become a lawyer And he was like Okay ma I've got no dreams anyway <laughs> Oh my god
1: And as such Antonila was found guilty And convicted of soliciting and abetting The cold-blooded murder of his wife And was sentenced to death See, he was also found guilty of murder, but because he was below the age of 18 at the time of the crime, he was spared the death penalty and was instead um, sentenced to be detained indefinitely.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: So, these lawyers had reported uh, says, he wanted to continue studying for his N levels, which was, he was supposed to take in that year. He killed Annie.
0: Wait, he was 15. Why is he thinking his end levels are 15? I mean... 15 I is at 3. <laughs> okay, something in, right. Okay, anyway.
1: Yeah, so even... So during the trial, like I said earlier, like, and Anandan sounded quite uh, harsh towards the boy. But I mean, that's his mm-hmm. job, as cross-examining. Yes. Yeah, as cross... As when cross-examining. And he... He in the end he wished the boy well, nonetheless, stating that he was just a fifteen-year-old boy and still deserves a second chance. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: Yes. After the original trial, who has um, appealed the verdict on behalf of his client? Yeah, who still smiled even after he was sentenced to death. (laughs) So this appeal was heard before three judges. and but then it was ultimately rejected on fourth March two thousand and two, and the three judges agreed with the high court's decision and reject Anthony's claims of innocence based on infant, based on the evidence that they reviewed Neshadizi had also appealed against his conviction, but later withdrew his appeal. So there was a clemency plea to President S R Nathan at the time. Which uh Anthony submitted in hopes of having his death sentence com- commuted to life imprisonment in instead. But this oh was God. also dismissed.
0: Of course, Sarnad <laughs> never
1: there, yeah, there was no way Asanaden would would you know accept that. Yeah. So eventually on 13th December 2002, um 35-year-old Anthony Le was hanged to death in Changi Prison at dawn. So Supaz wrote in his memoir that um, when he went to see Anthony one last time, Anthony had thanked him for his efforts in defending him. And Anthony um, was also aware that Supaz lost a kidney to cancer and he offered to donate his kidneys to him as a sign of gratitude. But Suhaf, okay. Suhaf's for that, like, they turned him down. And he felt that he should not accept it based on ethical grounds. Because it would make... Because might people might in, misinterpret that he defended Anthony for his kidneys.
0: <laughs> why would anyone think that? But <laughs> okay, if that is the reason why he thought so, sure.
1: So he speculated that Anthony's wishes to turn in his organs could have possibly been an atonement for his crime.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Given his personality, it's like... I don't know. I mean,
1: yeah. But apparently, Anthony actually didn't want to submit the, the clemency petition, but he did it for the sake of his mother. Okay. Yeah, so Suhas also wrote that only one of Anthony's two two brothers was present at the funeral.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. And also there was like no one else there except for family. And before his execution, Anthony said that he could not stop thinking about his daughter.
0: Well, he should have thought of his daughter before he decided to murder his wife, but okay.
1: So the Also Supas also Added that When he visited Changi prison Shortly after Anthony's death Before meeting up With another client Who was also On death row um, He Asked the prison officer If Anthony was smiling Well Before You know Like Moments before His execution mm-hmm. But the prison officer Said You know Nothing But Only smiled at Supas that is so creepy. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So as for Z, um, this is the only good news out of this case, I guess. Mm-hmm. So as for Z, he remained in prison for the next seventeen years of his life. So in prison, he uh, he passed his N levels. He then studied for his O levels and A levels, and he oh, passed nice. both exams in prison school.
0: Nice, good job Z
1: Yeah, so he also enrolled In university Majoring in English and business studies And he was able to Earn a degree
0: Wow, okay
1: Yeah, so he was also Said to have model behaviour during this period And he Also inspired other inmates to Follow, you know His lead And Z also reportedly learned how to play the guitar and harmonica in prison. Oh, nice. Yeah, and Z was said to be deeply regretful for what he did. And yeah, he expressed in his handwritten confession that how much he wished he had never met Anthony and how he had let his parents and other people he knew around him down. According to Z's mother, she said her son had once told her in prison. In the prison visit That he dreamed of The late victim Annie Who asked him Why did he kill her And Z said Was said to have broken Like broke down After telling his mother That Annie Forgiven him for his act
0: mm.
1: After he told Annie That her husband manipulated him To kill her
0: Dang I'm getting emotional I hate this Can you Oh see my god that? <laughs> <laughs> Bruh <laughs> I feel so bad for him Oh my god Like He was just 15 though Like I mean I literally roasted the shit out of him just now About morality But like Man he was just a kid Mm
2: -hmm. It doesn't
0: It doesn't undo what he did But it's like You know He I bet he was also very traumatized With the fact that he murdered somebody Okay
1: so In addition Um Consultant psychiatrist Dr Lim, uh, who uh, counselled Z after his crime, also stated that he was remorseful for what he had done, and the boy acknowledged that this would be something that he will he'll have to struggle with for for the rest of that he will have to struggle with for the rest of his life. And. This, um, this Dr. Lim also appeared at the original trial to testify on behalf of C to say that the boy's IQ of 93 made him prone to adult manipulation and confirming to the court that Xi did not have any abnormality of mind. So in 2013, Z filed for clemency but was turned down by President Tony Tan. Hmm. <laughs> so... Four years uh, later, in November 2017, through his original lawyer, he once again appealed for clemency, this time to President Hali Yaakob, which is the current president of Singapore. And this garnered widespread media coverage and public attention in Singapore. I must be living under a rock in 2017.
0: Yeah, because I <laughs> do not remember this at all.
1: Yes. <laughs> I know, right? So the lawyer also spoke to reporters on sixth January twenty eighteen about his client, who celebrated his thirty second birthday the week before, stating that there were testimonials backing his model behaviour and maturity in prison, and that he was hopeful to be given a chance to return to society and reunite with, and reunite with his parents. And did you
0: uh. say yes? <laughs> He get clemency. Wait. Okay.
1: In April 2018. I'm gonna leave you in suspense for a while. So in, in April, are you crying? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just like
0: really hoping he gets clemency.
1: So uh, in April 2018, um Steve's mother spoke publicly, expressing a hope for a positive outcome from the clemency petition. And even two of um his former fellow detainees also spoke publicly in newspapers, citing examples of um, their current stable and clean lives and jobs in support um, of Z to allow him to be given a second chance to reintegrate into society. Mm-hmm. Yep, and eventually, on second November twenty eighteen, President Halimah decided to on the advice of the cabinet. Grand Z clemency and remitted, yes. and remitted The remaining part Of his sentence
0: Listen Halima Yaakob Has not let
1: me down <laughs> She has not well, Everyone was so Angry that she got chosen But in the end She has been At least more Visible Than the previous president No Halima Yaakob Calls
0: out Misogyny When she sees yeah. it Yeah Like she does not give a shit If you are being sexist She will call you out And even like With the
1: whole Singapore athletes issue
0: Mm, Yeah People trashing athletes She legit was like Can y'all Grow up Sit your asses down And Stop Being such a brat And please Mm. just You know
1: Support our athletes Yeah Her communication Her communication Is actually really good
0: Just kiss I guess I think
1: She's Yeah She's the nation's mother. I mean, the previous, previous president also was popular that's for that's doing that's a lot. So I guess, you know, now we're seeing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry again. <laughs> so, he was released on the same day he received clemency from the president. Oh, that's quite effective. Yes, yeah, gone damn fast. Okay. Yeah. This is more than 17 years after he killed Annie Leong. But his release was only reported in newspapers a month later, 13 December 2018. And he was told to adhere to special conditions such as curfew, uh, having to follow curfew, and also electronic monitoring.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he would continue to receive rehabilitative support to ensure his reintegration into society. Into society
0: mm-hmm. Which is really good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they didn't just throw him out to society and like, just like <laughs> All
0: right. Enjoy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the gag order still remains in force to protect his identity due to his age at the time of the mother. Okay, that's great. Mm. And, I mean, it will also disrupt his integration back into society.
0: Yeah. I also wonder, how, like, what his chances of getting a job is like.
2: Mm. I mean, he I has mean, a
0: degree and everything now, so... The record would
1: still be there. Yeah, but it's also... How often do... Background employers... checks. lawyers? Yeah. If you're a public servant, then definitely they have a system to mm. check, I think. But other than that, I'm not sure.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. So, this lawyer told newspapers that he was grateful that the president pardoned Z and gave him a second chance in life. Mm-hmm and told reporters that when he finally came home 17 years since his arrest, Z was celebrating his birthday together with his family. Oh.
0: <laughs> That's so nice. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, a little bit on the victim's family, an article from the Straits Times on sixteen December 2018, this is three days after Z's release, um, reported that Annie Leong's family still reside in the Kong flat where Leong was murdered.
0: Oh dang!
1: Okay. I know. So Annie's mother, who was in her seventy, who yeah was in her seventies, said that she did not feel bitter despite the tragedy, and yeah, memories that manifested in the corridor where her daughter was dead. A friend of the family stated that through her Christian faith, she was able to move on with her life. Your face, okay. <laughs> She was able to move on with her life by raising her granddaughter Evelyn, who was reportedly a university graduate. I mean, Mm. she's born in 1997, so she's your age. I know, right? Wow. Well, I hope she's doing well. It's really. Yeah, I hope she's doing well, too. Yeah, so this was. The long case about a contract killing in Singapore.
0: Nice. Wow. This was so good. Thank you, Honda.
1: Okay, contract killing sounds a bit too chill, But...
0: I know. But what else
1: <laughs> did you call it?
0: <laughs> yeah, but thanks, Honda. Wow. This is so well-researched. Dang. Okay. Anyway. So we'll just jump right into our horror story because I'm pretty excited about this one. And today, we'll be talking about the Pontiana. (laughs) Anyway, so I finally decided to bite the bullet and do this story because, um, first of all, I feel terrified to even mention her whole name. But this story is being said with
1: respect. (laughs) You know, the curtain at the back is like moving.
0: Shut up It's just because of the aircon, con Honda Stop it
1: I'm no, so no. Just, just when you turn it around It was moving
0: <laughs> I'm scared Okay 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 I'm gonna just do it I'm just gonna do it Okay How of Christ Is with me I just did like The Catholic side I'm not even Catholic <laughs> Okay Alright Okay <clears throat> So The <laughs> I'm so scared I hate this So the <laughs> Stop laughing at me <laughs> So, Pontianak, also known as the Kuntilanak, which is the Indonesian spelling. The one we know is the Malay spelling, so Pontianak is the Malay one. Honda, do you know there's a place in Indonesia called Pontianak? Yeah, I know. Like the capital of West Kalimantan is Pontianak, which I think is... I mean, I didn't
1: know it was the capital of West Kalimantan, but I know (laughs) there is a place called Pontianak in Indonesia.
0: Yeah, okay, we'll talk about it a bit later. So, anyway, so the Pontianak is the Malay spelling of it. Uh, Kuntilanak is the Indonesian spelling. And um the Pontianak and the Kuntilanak are technically the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Also, many, many episodes ago, I covered the Churro. And the Churro and the Pontianak are also the same thing. But it's just, you know, Churro from India. Mm. Mm. okay so um i was just thinking about it and it's kind of interesting how most not most i would i would go on the vein and say that almost all singaporeans know what the Pontiana is and there's something kind of interesting about how like the story of this ghost is sort of passed down generationally like you hear stories from your grandparents And then your parents <laughs> And then you tell your grandchildren And like it's spread around by friends Like everyone has heard about the pontianak.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And like for me the first time I think I heard about the Pontianac Was in primary school But we never actually ever called it the Pontianak. It's always like some ghost story About some scary woman With like long hair And a white dress kind of thing I mean that's like
1: it's like the official costume for female ghosts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I mean, freaking Sadako is <laughs> like long hair, white dress. So mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, okay, so the Pontianak is most commonly observed to be a long haired woman in a white dress. She is a variation of what Europeans consider the vampire. Sometimes she's known to have long claw-like fingernails. She can essentially take on the appearance of a beautiful woman, but she does this when she is luring her prey. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially her MO. So she looks beautiful. She lures men in. And she does this to either take revenge on them or to frighten them. <laughs> and for that, she's a girl boss and I stand so how did the Pontiana get her name? <laughs> so this is where we go back to Pontiana, the capital of West Kalimantan. So um the story of the Pontiana actually originated in Kalimantan, which is an island in Borneo, Indonesia. And um if anyone ever comes across a Pontiana, just know that she's so famous that she has a whole city named after her. So, oh my god. So, um, the city was actually infested with Pontianaks, And back in the time, so this was like the 17th, 1700s, right? It was a swampy area. And apparently, these swampy areas are places where a lot of spirits tend to dwell in. So, it's believed that in the area of Western Kalimantan, so there's this crossing between the Kapuas and Landak Rivers. Um, This area was a nest so it was a Pontiana nest <laughs> that is until Sharif Abdurrahman al-Qadri comes along so this man is the founding father and the first sultan of of Pontianak okay so this man came okay. And he was like, yo, I'm going to set up a trading post here. And all the locals were like, bro, please don't do that. Like, this is a Pontianak nest. (laughs) You're going to get haunted like hell. But this man was like, nope, I've set my mind. So along with his army, they essentially got rid of the ghosts by shooting cannonballs at them. (laughs) Okay. How they fought against ghosts, I don't know. But, okay, to be honest, they fought with cannonballs because um, the the general idea was to destroy the swampy area and therefore the nest. Okay. Yeah. So after fighting against the ghosts, um, he decided to build a mosque and a palace right at the spot of where the Pontianak's nest used to be. Mm. And this would become The first ever buildings In Pontianak And during this During his reign From 1771 to 1808 He was constantly haunted By ghosts That inhabited (laughs) the city And the area is now Covered in trees And locals believe That the Pontianak Still haunts the place
2: Nice So all that
0: cannonball firing Did absolutely nothing Good job uh as i mentioned before the pontiana is a long-haired woman dressed in white and according to malay mythology is the spirit of a woman who died while pregnant during childbirth or at the hands of a man other depictions of the pontiana include that there is blood smeared on all her clothes uh, okay when the pontiana is in her Beautiful human disguise. She's noted to have pale skin, long black hair, and red colored eyes. Once the Pontiana lures men in, right, that beautiful disguise sort of fades away and then she reveals her monstrous form (laughs) and captures them. On a more positive note, she only appears on like she only appears during a full moon. Mm -hmm. So any other time, for example, the Waiting Givers, she's not going to appear.
1: By the way, what moon is it today? I didn't see the moon today. I don't think it's full moon. Okay.
0: Moon today. Okay, so it's not a full moon. No, it's It not. is the waxing crescent today. So that's great. Oh my um, god,
1: I want to tell you something, but I'll save it for after. Okay, story. please,
0: please, please, please. I'm scared of my teeth. The Pontianak makes an appearance with the sounds of a woman laughing or a baby crying. And <laughs> I think I mentioned this part a while ago in the podcast, but um, if the sound she makes is very loud, it means that she's far away. But if the sound she makes is quiet and soft, it means that she is nearby or literally behind you. Um, others claim that a howling dog means that the Pontianna is far, and a whining dog means that she is near. Smelling <laughs> a sweet floral fragrance that is followed by the scent of something foul, like um, a decaying corpse, means that she is near. Hmm. So Pontianna kills her victims by digging her long nails into the bodies, into their bodies, and pulling out their eter- eternal organs. She digs the like, claws into their bodies Pulls out their internal organs And then she eats them mm-hmm. And for men She's known to dismember Their genitals
1: Wow <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ouch Big ouch If the victim has their eyes open When a Fontana is near She will suck them out of their head
1: Suck them out of their head?
0: Yeah I don't, I don't want to know I thought <laughs> is like A no for me Interestingly She can locate you By the smell of your laundry So The scent of clean laundry Because of <laughs> this right Some Malaysians Refuse to leave their Laundry out to dry at night
1: Oh wow Okay
0: And like I don't know why that's so funny to me Like at 7pm Everybody's like Running outside And like grabbing their laundry And they're like No We have to bring it in In front of the and I will find us." <laughs> um the pontiana is also associated with banana trees and it is believed that during the day her spirit lives within it and that at night she's like bang bang i'm out to kill people in order to <laughs> stop a pontiana you need to drive a nail into the nape of her neck but this turns her into a beautiful good wife until the nail is removed and i don't know something about this is like I think a man wrote this because why does she turn into a beautiful good wife? Like why a wife? Why beautiful? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting um in popular culture and this is a long list because Asians really love their Pontianak stories. Um they're like 31 mm-hmm. movies and shows that include the Pontianak. And this includes Supernatural and a local film called Return of the Pontianak and Revenge of the Pontianak. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've see?
1: seen... You know, the title's also corny, but I, I have watched the Incredible Tales episode.
0: Ooh.
1: I love Incredible Ooh. Tales because, yeah. Are you surprised? Oh my
0: god. Um, I'm not. This is who you are today, so I'm not <laughs> surprised. <laughs> Meanwhile, okay. can you tell that I never watched Incredible Tales and refuse to? Seriously, you're missing out. <laughs> okay, so um, I know you said that um the titles Revenge of the Putanak <laughs> and Return of the Putana is them corny, but During Revenge of the Pontianak, um, some freaky stuff happened. Hmm. To some context about this film, the film director, Glenn Goey. Goey? Ah, he's famous. He does plays also. How do I pronounce his last name? Goey? I have no idea. Goey. Goey. (laughs) Glenn, Glenn, our friend. Um, he sought out to make his first ever Malay language film and he wanted to interestingly, right? So this is I think his way of subverting or like trying to be subversive with the story and the genre, but Um, He decided he wanted to humanize the Pontianak Because he saw that in usual like In pop culture, in other films She's always the villain Mm -hmm. And always seen in a negative light So after a year of searching for actors He finally had his cast And filming began in a banana orchard in Malaysia So one day And this is like 3am And they were filming at night uh, When one of the actresses so her name is Fazura binti Sharifuddin, aka Fa- Fazura. Um, so this actress Sally came across a woman who was wearing the exact same thing she was wearing. So this woman was wearing a white oh, kebaya no. and sarong. Yeah. So, okay, initial thoughts. Hmm, could be her stunt double, right? <laughs> no um, This other woman Had long hair Covering her face So she was like Oh shit, shit. This person Is not A person at all And Allegedly uh, And allegedly The spirit would appear A few times During their filming Yikes Another incident Happened When their smoke machine Ran out of smoke How did that happen? I have no idea Who is in charge of props? That person needs to be talked to, but anyway, so the smoke machine right now smoke. So um, because it's a horror film, right? Horror films really, really, really rely on um smoke effects to create yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, so they needed it. So I decided to use a kemenyan, which is basically a type of incense. Incense, and this was their best alternative to a smoke machine because it was also the most accessible in like this remote part of Malaysia Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. while they were using the kemenyan one of the crew members began to shout so he suddenly like yelled stop stop because (laughs) this incense was actually attracting
1: all the spirits (laughs) Yeah, actually, I was thinking, why not use jaw sticks? Then I'm just like, oh, wait, no, that would attract. Like, as you yeah, said, it would attract.
0: Precisely. Uh, so, for other stories, um, my sister once saw a Puntiana, and this was at Jalan Batera.
1: God, your favourite place. So,
0: she was at um this area where they were supposed to have, like, I think it was meal time, And she turns over, and there's this tree. And at this tree, she sees this woman... In this white dress Right Mm. Oh my god And it was just For passing moments So the woman like Disappears But my sister was like freaked out And I think a few of her friends Also saw this This strange apparition And my sister actually Felt sick The next day She was sick Mm -hmm. for a few days Yeah Um Another Story Of a Pontianak I know Is uh, Um I asked my mom I was like Hey Do you have any Pontianak stories And she was like you know what I do <laughs> <laughs> So this was one of her um, Experiences lah. So my mom was a third year student nurse And she was posted to the A&E At Tantok Sing Tan Hospital mm-hmm. So this was during the night shift And she said that um, As a student nurse like They have to do night shift rotations So the night shift starts at 9pm And ends at 7am And she said mm-hmm. that The night this incident happened, it was a very, very busy night. So because of this, my mom wanted to go to the the bathroom, like to the toilet, but she like, it was legit super difficult for her to find any time to go to. So she finally Mm -hmm. was able to go to the toilet. Um, She said that at Tan Singh Hospital, so this was like the old building. All the toilets were at the back. Okay, so it's night shift I would not want to go to like back toilets either But she, it was like the only time she had So she decided to go And as she was opening the door So this is not one of your toilets Where it's like one main door And then inside there's cubicles, you know This is just like a toilet, toilet mm-hmm. yeah. So as she was opening the door She saw something Like someone like run past her into the toilet And at that point she knew the thing that had run past her Was not human Dang But She decided to go in So She said that she went in Anyway I turned to her And I was like Why did you do that And she told me that Apparently It is said Like people believe that um, When you encounter Something like this And you're like Going into places You cannot like Leave it halfway Like you have to go in Anyway
2: Huh Okay Yeah I
0: don't know what This belief is based upon But she told me that um, you cannot like halfway come out when things like this happen. So she went in, she was done, and as she was watch- washing her hands, right, she could see that there was someone with her in the toilet.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, she could see this woman with her, and plus, she was saying that this toilet wasn't like very well lit, so it's like dingy and dark. And like, she the thing is, like, she didn't say. It wasn't, like, from her peripheral vision or whatnot, you know. She could actually, like, straight on see this person next to her. Oh. Yeah. And she said that the temperature in the room, in the toilet, like, dropped. And it became super cold. And all the hair on her body was, like, Eek. standing. Yeah. And she, too, fell sick the next day. So it's believed that if you encounter a spirit, you will fall sick. hmm Yes, so that's my mom's story. So, uh, the next part is from a Broadly Vice article titled "Southeast Asia's Vengeful Man-Eating Spirit is a Feminist Icon." <laughs> oh my god! By Nisa Crims, and honestly, this article really got me thinking about the Pontianak. So, Pontianaks out there, I am an ally. Um. Please don't come for me
1: Don't
0: you want to meet no. your ally? I don't want to be my ally I don't want to meet you But I just know that I'm my ally So yeah. Nisa Creams writes The Pontianak who has endured violence and suffering Avenges the real life crimes Women living in misogynistic societies experience on a daily basis Femicide, rape and domestic abuse mm. Yeah, because, you know... um, And this also goes back to the story of the Churl. One of the main things these ghosts do is... I mean, one, they go after men, right? But it's not just because, like, they want to attack men. It's... Most of the time, it's to take revenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, like, on these people who essentially killed them. Because these Mm. ghosts, these spirits are innocent people who sometimes die at the hands of like violent men Mm, yeah yeah and it also like just talking about this i was just thinking about how it's so messed up that the belief to get rid of a pontiana is to nail the back of like to drive a nail into the back of her i mean drive a nail to the nape of her neck which turns her into a beautiful good wife like Oh. Um, Like you, you think about it right Like it's a way to control her As a person To turn her into this um, Submissive
1: Yeah, yeah. Object.
0: yeah. So one the be- beautiful part of it Is for the male gaze To obviously you know Ogle and to Like Derive like pleasure from mm-hmm. Then the good wife part Is obviously You know to play like the expected female role in society. And it's quite interesting that in order to do it, they have to drive a nail, which is this like very violent action in order to control her. Like the Pontianak in its form sort of also expresses a sense of freedom. Like the Pontianak is free from societal expectations. She's free from the female gender roles. Mm -hmm. She is... She puts on an attractive front in order to display vulnerability. And that's when she, that vulnerability turns into, like, it's not even monstrous. It turns into her form in which she can exert her own autonomy. Yeah. And okay, this thing just went into like a feminist study of like the Pontianak. (laughs) But it's just, it's just, I was just thinking about it. And like, it's true, like, the Pontianak is. A feminist icon.
1: I mean, I didn't really think of that angle. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: I feel like and don't you find it interesting that a lot of these Asian ghosts die doing very I wouldn't say domestic things, but like they they they're often killed when it's during pregnancy or like childbirth. And these are like the epitome of being a woman. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean like you said earlier about like when Pontianas appear there'll be like a sound of a child crying or a woman mm-hmm. laughing so I guess that's very associated with like women
0: yeah and it's quite interesting
1: yeah it's always the image of a mother
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> with a child
0: <laughs> yeah and also like why do these ghosts have to have Long hair and white dresses.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, long hair is, you know, typically viewed as feminine. White dresses is also, you know, feminine Purity. and like pure. Yeah. So there's that. But you know what? We have a new feminist icon. It's the Pontianak. So, you know, it's quite interesting because as I was researching her, like, we. I feel like over this podcast, we have hyped up to the point where we can't even say her name. We always call her Pondi and we're like scared of her. But as I was actually like doing up this article and like I found the the Broadly Vice piece where they were talking about how she's like a feminist icon. And this piece, this piece is really good, by the way. Um, it also discusses like the idea of the monstrous feminine, which is chef's case, one of the best books ever in feminist studies is written <laughs> it's called the Monsters feminine by barbara creed so if anyone out there is interested in this kind of topics like do give that book a read but um yeah i was just discussing this angle and like i've never thought about it and it was quite interesting because this afternoon my mom was watching one of those like really shitty demo horror movies <laughs> <laughs> The thing I realized that was quite interesting about this horror movie was the main female ghost gets a whole backstory like there's an entire segment in the third act right that is just her backstory. It is about her life, how she and how she ended up becoming this ghost mm-hmm. and it's it's a very interesting angle that I used to not appreciate in. In like... These kind of like... Lame time like or horror movies... Because... <laughs> one they take up a lot of time... Two it's like... Where did this come from? Like all mm-hmm. of a sudden... You are like... Talking about this random person's backstory... But it's really... Interesting because it... It sort of humanizes these spirits... Like... You get a whole backstory... In order for you to understand... That this spirit was once a person... Mm. And this is the reason why it is now an angry, vengeful spirit.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting. So dang, that shitty Tamil movie that I've seen so many times.
1: Maybe like it? Maleficent. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, get... I
0: used to dislike Maleficent so much. But isn't I didn't like the idea of it because... I didn't know how Disney was going to humanize a villain.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But they did a pretty good job at it. I mean, it was, I mean, kind of cliche and a bit lame, lah. I mean, it was an expected storyline, but the way they did it, like I actually did care for her in the end. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cruella, on the other hand, is a whole other bag of worms because... um, I
1: didn't even look into Cruella.
0: People say the movie's good, but I don't think I can ever get the actual canon of the show out of my head in which Cruella DeVille is an animal abuser and she was willing to kill (laughs) a hundred puppies to make a fur coat. So for me, I don't see how Disney can ever humanize that. So... Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our National Day special
1: episode. Uh-huh. But wait,
0: oh, I don't know if
1: you noticed, but Hungry Ghost Month started. I hate
0: this so much. <laughs> okay, on the bright side, um, the person is a Malay ghost, so thank you, thank you, and she knows I'm an ally. She knows we are allies. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us 5 stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and click that follow button on Spotify.
1: You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon and whatever podcast platform you listen to.
0: And you can follow us on Instagram at hgu Podcasts. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.